The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. If you're interested in keeping your eye health top-notch throughout all of the stages of your life, this is the program to listen to right now. We'll discuss the latest treatments and technologies to help battle vision-related disease, as well as bring you tips and proven methods to keep you seeing well, now and as you age. Here is your host, Dr. Bob Rothbard. Good afternoon. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Health and Wellness Channel. We have a really great guest today. He's an ophthalmologist. It's Dr. Anthony Collada, a retinal specialist at the Retina Institute of California. How are you today, Dr. Collada? Uh, great. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Bob. Great. One of the topics that we deal with, I as an optometrist see, but a lot of times we can't treat, it concerns diabetic retinopathy and particularly diabetic macular edema. I'd like you to describe that and the importance of it and in detail, if you would, please. Sure. So the, the longer that you have diabetes, uh, the more likely you are to have problems with that in your eyes. And uh, the two biggest uh, problems are bleeding, um, in either in the center of the eye or in some of the different layers of the eye, or uh, swelling of a fluid uh, collection in the center of the macula. So the diabetic macular edema is actually the most common cause of vision loss for persons less than 65 in in the United States. It's a very common cause of vision loss. And, um, you know, I usually tell patients the longer that they have the disease, the more likely they are to have problems, once again. And, uh, you know, if if sometimes it can be difficult to tell if they're having problems with one eye if the vision in the other eye is good, mm-hmm. but if they're noticing some changes or um, seeing some wavy lines, we, we, test patient, we tell t- patients to test themselves with uh, an Amesler grid at home and to look and see if the lines look, uh, the straight lines look distorted or wavy. Great. So what would a patient first notice? They've never been checked before. They have diabetes. What might they start to see? on their own as far as wondering whether it's the diabetes that's causing the problem or just need a new pair of glasses? Sure. Um, So if they have distorted vision in one of their eyes, if they're looking, uh, if they cover one eye and and focus on the other one, and if they look at the side of a door and that looks wavy or distorted, that's one good way of telling that you're having problems. Another problem that's very common um, is seeing floaters, and um, if you are a diabetic patient and you're seeing floaters, you know, a floater can be anything that's in, in the vitreous, in the, in the center of the eye, but it can also be blood, and that can be, and that's one of the problems that you have with diabetes. So floaters, vision loss, distorted vision. I see. 
And what is your typical approach to your diabetic patients when they come into your office for the first time? Well, we do uh, a full history and physical um, pertaining to their eyes um, and medical history, and then we'll dilate the patients. We'll do some basic testing. We do uh, what's called an OCT uh, testing, which is uh, some advanced technology that's available that gives you a cross-sectional view mm-hmm. of the retina, um, especially the, the macula, and so you can see very clearly if there's some swelling that's taking place there. Um, and then we'll see the patients and uh, by the exam be able to get a good sense of whether or not they have any disease. And if they do have any disease, we usually do a fluorescein angiogram, uh, which is uh, injecting a dye into the, uh, the blood vessel. And it's, I describe it as kind of an x-ray. It's not an x-ray. It's an angiogram. But uh, it gives us a better sense of what's going on with the circulation in the eye. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, wonderful technology that's available for the retina specialist uh, to, to diagnose these things. And, of course, uh, you know, just seeing an optometrist or general ophthalmologist, uh, they can help uh, diagnose as well. Um, yeah. And, of course, it's a lot more definitive after they've uh, come to someone like yourself. And the technology is relatively, what would you say, every year there's something new, and the last five or ten years, it's been tremendous that you don't only look at what you see, but you actually have what's called an objective finding to see what's going on uh, with these individuals' uh, retina. Is that correct? It is much easier, I think, to be a retina specialist or uh, an ophthalmologist these days with all the technology and the optometrist, uh, with all the technology that we have available to us, you know, thir- 30 years ago or so, they would, it would be a lot more based on the exam. But now we have all of this technology that tells us exactly how thick different layers of the retina are and uh, what the circulation looks like. Um, and I, I know that a lot of optometrists have some very, good imaging um, mm-hmm. that they take of patients, and, and that's proved to be, um, you know, I, I see a lot of patients coming from optometrists that are um, not easy diagnosis, and they pick them up on the imaging that's available even without dilating your eyes now. That's really great. And how does diabetes affect people's vision? And basically, Dr. Kalata, can they actually go blind from it? Yes, it's uh, diabetic macular edema is the the most common cause of of legal blindness, uh, which is worse vision than 2200 in uh, the United States and most civilized uh, countries. And um, so you want to try and address the problems before they become very advanced because, like you're saying, I mean, People can go blind from this, and, and the later that you catch the disease, the more difficult it is to go um, uh, to correct things. Um, of course, the first thing that a patient, uh, diabetic patient should be doing is monitoring their uh, glucose levels uh, to make sure that they're low. But then eventually, once they get to the point where they actually have disease in, in their eyes, it, you know, 
correcting the sugars is important, but then also treatment um, can be important. And um, it should be noted that, I, I mean, when you look at the, when you look inside the eye, you're basically looking inside of an organ. And, and so um, it's a very good opportunity for eye doctors like yourself um, to be able to uh, see the, the vascular changes that take place. And a lot of eye doctors are the first ones to diagnose patients with diabetes uh, just because they can see these changes that are so classic. Wow. And what type of treatments are there for diabetic, uh, these changes from diabetic called diabetic retinopathy? So there are uh, a number of treatments that are available. Uh, the, the standard treatment and the, the older treatment, which has been around for 30 or 40 years, is, uh, is doing laser and so you can do laser to different, um, in treating diabetic retinopathy, you can use laser to help uh, get rid of some of the fluid to stop some of the bleeding that's taking place. Um, and that was all that was available in the past. And now there are some newer treatments which are available in the last um, 15 years, uh, such as injections of medicines into the eye. And so that's, that's changed the, uh, the treatment of diabetic retinopathy and, uh, and diabetic uh, macular edema. Wow. And uh, in your opinion, which treatment is actually better for the edema, the laser or the injections? It depends. I think that um, there's a place for both, for sure. Um, the, uh, the laser um, is very effective for example, in treating DME, but it does uh, cause some very mild uh, um, damage, and usually the patient doesn't notice this, but if the swelling, for example, is right in the center of, of the eye, in the, the part of the macula called the, the fovea, then um, the injections are a nice uh, treatment because it's difficult. It's difficult to do laser. You don't want to do laser or any kind of damage too close to the fovea, uh, at the risk of having some um, loss of loss or distortion mm-hmm. of vision. So the injections have a um, a very nice place in that called uh, center involved DME. I see. And uh, tell us, doctor. About because I've been reading with this also, uh, and some of my patients have been placed on steroids after the treatment uh, for the macular edema. Uh, oral steroids or injections? Or? Well, describe both. Okay, so um, the you know some of the injectable medicines that are available right now are something called anti-VEGF agents. Uh, VEGF is a protein that. Uh, when it when it shows up in the eye, it can cause some problems, uh, such as leakiness of the blood vessels and abnormal blood vessel growth. And so, this anti-VEGF agent, and there are several medicines that uh, fall under that category that are available, um, can help uh, their antibody or combat the effect of the uh, anti-VEGF or the the VEGF protein. Uh, to close up the leaky blood vessels and to try and shrink the bleeding, um, abnormal 
blood vessels. Uh, so that's one category is the anti-VEGF agents. Another category is uh, the use of steroids uh, actually into the eyes. So this is, this is called an intravitreal injection. This is something very common for uh, a retina specialist uh, to inject these in the vitreous cavity, which is um, the uh, empty space more or less uh, right in front of the retina, which is filled with a vitreous fluid, which is mostly water and then some um, uh, connective tissue. Um, so you can inject steroids directly into this cavity, and, and they help treat the retinopathy. Um, that you can also give steroids in, in some different forms, uh, and these, are, these other forms are not as common today in uh, treatment of diabetic retinopathy. You can do uh, a subtenons injection, which is around the eye, so it's not actually, the needle is not actually entering into the center of the eye. I see. Um, and you could give uh, steroids orally as well, but that's, that's not used as uh, commonly. Okay, what I want to do when we come back from the break is maybe discuss some, if there are any side effects of, from the steroids uh, in treatment of the edema. But anyway, you're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be back. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
or you can send an email to Rancho Optometric at Verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. Hi, you're back here with Dr. Bob on Vision Talk Radio. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask Dr. Colada, you mentioned it before the break, about steroids and the treatment of certain eye conditions and the macular edema. Uh, but I know there are side effects. Two of them are glaucoma and cataracts. Can you go into that? What considerations there are and uh, what you have found? Sure. Uh, thanks again, uh, Dr. Bob, for having me today. Oh, and, you're more than um, welcome. In talking, Great having you here. In talking about uh, diabetic macular edema, which is something that affects uh, many Americans, uh, uh, steroids... Um, and many people worldwide. Steroids are, are one possible treatment, as we were mentioning, um, but they do, as you mentioned, um, have some side effects. And uh, one of those side effects, side effects is that you have a pressure reading inside your, your eye, an intraocular pressure, uh, which is different than your blood pressure. And, uh, and so that pressure can become elevated when you use uh, some steroids. Um, and so typically if I'll give a patient an intravitreal injection of, uh, of steroids, I usually bring them back um, first two weeks and then three weeks later, and I do that for about three months uh, just to make sure that they're not developing uh, elevated intraocular pressure, which can lead to glaucoma and uh, damage of the nerve in the eye. So it's a very serious uh, complication. Um, it happens about 20% uh, uh, of the time or so uh, patients get some type of uh, elevation spike, even if it's mild, 20 to 30%. Um, so usually, uh, in almost all cases, you can manage this small pressure spike um, with some drops, medicines, to control the pressure, um, as long as the pressure is not elevated for a very long period of time, months or years. Uh, occasionally, the pressure rises so quickly that it can actually cause pain for the patient, and that's a little bit more of an emergent condition. But uh, by and large, it's an effective medicine. Um, steroids are, um, and... Uh, this is one side effect. Another side effect is uh, the formation of cataract a little bit earlier than uh, would other otherwise be the case. Most of us will develop cataracts at some point, um, usually later in life, 60, 70. Uh, but if you are getting treatment, uh, steroid treatment inside the eye, then uh, you can have that cataract develop earlier. But um, cataract surgery is the is the most successful one of the most successful surgeries around, and uh, um, usually that is that that has a good prognosis for the patient. I see. This is a tough question, I think, uh, because you have a patient who's been really diligent. Let's say type two diabetic. They started developing at about forty, forty five, but they're once they find out they're very diligent. Uh, in their care, in their exercise, in their diet. What percentage, uh, is there any way of knowing what percentage and what period of time do most of them, do they kick over to diabetic retinopathy? 
uh, with this, or are they able to go throughout their whole life without ever developing it? Um, well, it's it's definitely possible uh, to completely avoid any uh, any diabetic retinopathy, uh, but over time it becomes um, more common, um, and so after twenty years. Um, you know, the, there's a there's a high percentage of patients that have some degree of uh, retinopathy. Um, you know, so it's it becomes more common as time goes on. Okay, and what treatments, Dr. Clotta, are available? Have been available just in the last five years? Well, um, the uh, some of the treatment. One of the treatments that I mentioned uh, was the uh, the anti-VEGF agents, and mm-hmm. so there are now three of those medicines available for uh, treatment. And um, uh, the first is called Avastin, uh, which has been around for about 15 years, and then Lucentis and Ilea. Um, so those are three of the anti-VEGF agents that uh, are available to treat um, diabetic macular edema and other ocular conditions. Mm-hmm. And the treatments are done in your office. And which diabetic patients would require surgery or in the actually having to go into the operating room? Yeah, a lot of these treatments, just like you said, Dr. Bob, are done in the office. And um, the, the injections of medicine, which are painless, uh, these are very common, commonly done uh, in the office. And you do those right in the exam chair. It just takes a minute. The lasers are done in the office, and uh, that is also uh, uh, very quick um, and um, and painless for the patient. And but there are some patients that are going to need uh, surgery, and uh, one reason to have surgery is to remove some of the blood. Uh, you know, if you bleed into the the center of your eye, into the vitreous. Uh, Hopefully that blood goes away without surgery, but if it doesn't seem to be uh, going away or the patient needs to have their vision back very quickly, then surgery might be necessary to remove that blood. Uh, Another reason is to remove uh, the scar tissue that can occur uh, with the diabetic patients. Uh, It can even cause a a retinal detachment if the scar tissue is, is very severe. Um, that results from the abnormal blood vessels which are growing. And uh, another reason is, if, for example, um, also with uh, diabetic macular edema, there are a lot of different types of treatment available, and if, um, if the ones that you're doing in the office are not um, very effective, then um, some of those patients will get surgery to help uh, remove a little scar tissue and help with the, the fluid that way. Right. One of the things that has come out with uh, these great advancements is that many, many years ago, if you had diabetic retinopathy and it progressed and affecting the macula, it was a one-way trip to loss of vision. You're pretty much, in some of these cases, able to slow down, if not stop the progression of loss of vision. And in some of the cases, are you actually able to improve the vision where there was some loss, but you can bring some of it back? Uh, definitely. If you have uh, a lot of 
diabetic macular edema, for example, um, the longer that it's there, the more likely you are to have permanent vision loss because the the photoreceptors, the the brain of your retina or your eyes, so to speak, um, it they uh, they will die over time if there is fluid there, which is blocking them from getting the the nutrients that they need. So the longer that the the fluid is is there, you're more likely to get vision loss. But that being said, if um, if you receive some of these treatments, such as the injections and the laser, then there's a um, as soon as you get rid of that fluid, there's a good chance that you're going to uh, recover a good amount of vision. That's great. I mean, that's almost like a miracle compared to what used to be not that very long ago. And, of course, the big question for individuals is, what is the cost of the treatments and how does it work with insurance? Yes. So, fortunately, more people are getting covered with insurance and... Um, and most of these procedures and the office visits are are covered by insurance. Uh, depending upon the, the medical insurance that you have, you might have complete coverage or you might have some type of uh, small fee that you have to pay. Um, but there are also uh, patients without insurance, um, and hopefully that number becomes smaller and smaller over time. But... Um, for those patients, there is still treatment available. Um, you know, we here at the uh, the Retina Institute of California, we treat a lot of cash patients and, um, you know, um, patients without insurance. And it's, it's very rewarding to take care of these people because uh, they might, uh, they are afraid of, of the cost. And, and so we... Uh, we try and take care of uh, as many patients as we can uh, with that and, and keep uh, the prices reasonable. Um, but certainly insurance helps. Uh, and when you're working with a patient, I know there isn't on the average, but how often do you actually see these patients? Are they injected? And how long is a patient normally in the office for this for Dr. Collada? So um, in the past, I think that um, patients were not as seen as often, and um, but but now these with all of these uh, treatments available, you know they have a lot of these treatments, especially the injections, have a temporary effect. The injections last anywhere from four to eight weeks, and so the more often that we see the patients the better their vision is going to be because they're going to be watched more closely and receive more uh, treatment if necessary. Um, so, for example, at, uh, at our institution, Retina Institute of California, um, we have a lot of different offices, up to 30 offices in Southern California, and so it's easier for the patients to get to, the, to different offices, uh, whereas in the past there were only a few retinal specialists and you would have to travel a great distance to see them. And then we also keep all our visits uh, an hour or less from the time they come in until the time they leave, because um, which also differs than, than treatment in the past, which would be um, an office visit of three or four hours, three hours on the average, I think. But, but now wow. it's, it's a lot quicker. Um, and hopefully 
this is uh, helpful in, in uh, improving the lives of people that are receiving these kinds of treatment because y- you want to improve their vision, but you also don't want their, their quality of life to suffer just because they're spending all, all day in the doctor's office and driving to the doctors and so forth. I tell you, it must be so rewarding to see the outcomes of a lot of these patients whom you're actually treating. Okay, when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and start to talk a little bit about macular degeneration, which is an exceedingly important topic. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you or does somebody you know face an ongoing battle with addiction? Our nation's drug problem is getting worse as we spend billions on the judicial system. It's time to fight the demand for drugs and not the supply. Listen for I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen, who has experienced both IV heroin addiction and recovery and is now here to both help and educate you with his story and engaging guests. There are great resources available for recovery, and there is hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to one 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to ranchooptometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. Okay, you're back with Dr. Bob. We're with Dr. Anthony Collada, a retinal specialist at the Retina Institute of California. Uh, like I said, Dr. Clatter, we're going to start uh, discussing, if you would, about macular degeneration and who gets macular degeneration. Well, uh, thanks once again for having me. And, you bet. Uh, yes. So we were talking about 
diabetic retinopathy, which is um, a very common cause of vision loss for younger people especially, and macular degeneration is more of a disease that affects um, uh, older patients. And over time, just about everyone gets macular degeneration if you're lucky to live uh, uh, a long life. Um, but uh, macular degeneration is the um, is the most common cause of of blindness for Americans now older than than sixty five in the United States and civilized countries. Uh, one thing I want to ask you is because you mentioned obviously uh, used to be in the bad old days when things were not named politically correct. They used to call it senile macular degeneration. Yeah. Of course, it's all age related. But there are several of my patients who have been relatively young, 40s and 50s, who have developed macular degeneration. Is there a genetic basis of this? There is a genetic component to macular degeneration. So some people are more likely um, to get it than others. And if there is a, a family history, that has to be a concern. There are also some physical risk factors which might lead you to have uh, macular degeneration at an earlier age, uh, such as uh, light-colored iris, light-colored um, skin and hair, mm -hmm. and, uh, and also just uh, a, a lot of um, living in an area such as Southern California where there's a lot of sun constantly, as well as uh, smoking is something that is a risk factor for the development of macular degeneration. Um, there are some other types of uh, macular degeneration in particular that affect younger people, but like you said, by and large, this is uh, an age-related disease. And, Doctor, this comes up often and people wonder, what is the difference when you hear people have dry versus wet macular degeneration? Yes. The about 90% of people have the dry macular degeneration, and then about 10% have the, the wet. But the dry, um, just about all the patients who have wet macular degeneration, at one time it was dry. So mm -hmm. uh, the, what happens is uh, there is bleeding which occurs from some, once again, uh, somewhat similar to diabetes. There are some abnormal blood vessels that grow. And, in this case, it's a, uh, a choroidal neovascular membrane, um, and uh, they will grow and, uh, and go ahead and bleed and cause uh, problems with vision. And this all occurs, macular degeneration uh, occurs because we have these, these photoreceptors in our eye, the rods and the cones, and uh, they are constantly being, they are constantly breaking down, recycling, and... Um, and the, uh, the RPE layer, which is the layer underneath the retina, is helping to remove all of that debris. And over time, it just it, uh, it doesn't do it perfectly. And so some of this, uh, these uh, uh, segments of the photoreceptors will uh, collect and uh, help to form some of the, the pigment changes and, uh, which occur in macular degeneration. I have a question, uh, doctor. I don't know if there's a correlation. I just thought of it, in fact. Individuals who start to notice 
that their glare recovery, is, in other words, looking at a light and it takes forever for them to start seeing again, is slowing down significantly. Is there any relationship between that and macular degeneration? Yes, uh, there is. Um, so if, uh, if that occurs, then that's, uh, that's uh, um, more likely you have a, a problem within your macula, and, and macular degeneration can be one of those problems. Okay. And, of course, the obvious question would be, uh, what can an individual do to prevent macular degeneration if it can be prevented? Well, uh, the first thing is to stop aging. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. And there's only one <laughs> um, solution for that, and we don't want to discuss that one, but yeah, go ahead. Right. <laughs> um, but beyond that, if you're smoking, stop smoking. Uh, to have a, a diet uh, rich in um, uh, different types of nutrients, uh, carotenoids, uh, such as uh, leafy, uh, um, green, and uh, different color vegetables, uh, mm-hmm. red and orange, and containing lutein and different uh, nutrients. Uh, as you're well aware, Dr. Bob, there's a, there's a, there are vitamins that you take for your macular degeneration and to try and slow down the progression. Um, and they've done uh, some very good studies called the um, ARIDS, A-R-E-D-S studies, age-related eye disease studies, that have uh, documented that these Vitamins with particular form- formulas um, have a benefit in preventing people progress from dry to wet macular degeneration. So I'm sure that's something that um, you have your patients on as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, that can be very helpful in uh, preventing the progression. Um, and then that's also, a- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, as a preventive care mechanism, let's say individuals in their 50s, 60s, or above, uh, would you ever just put, and there really aren't any signs of macular degeneration, would you have them be put on these vitamins anyway as a matter of prevention? Yes, I I really do, uh, because I I think that uh, even though the studies that were done demonstrated that people with medium types of macular degeneration, a uh, certain size of the drusen and so forth, um, they were more at risk. And those, those are the patients that showed the benefit of not progressing to wet macular degeneration. But I, I certainly think that it's reasonable that if they're working for those patients, it's probably working in some way for the patients with lesser a lesser amount of the macular degeneration. So I usually put it on all patients uh, after the age of um, um, 60. Mm-hmm. And do you stress the importance and is there a relationship with uh, cardiovascular exercise as far as possibly being or help prevent uh, macular degeneration or a larger progression of macular degeneration? Um, I don't know how convincing the evidence is for that, but uh, I think that it's it's also very reasonable that if you're uh, exercising and in general good health, that that uh, bodes well for your for your health. Um, if you're uh, if you, I, you know if you're exercising and have a good diet, so um, 
I think that's that's helpful for any type of uh, uh, medical illness. Well, I would think so uh, on that score. Anyway, the person will be healthier. Anyway, uh, how does somebody know if they're having problems with macular degeneration? Yeah, as I said earlier, um, sometimes it can be very difficult to tell that you are having problems in one of your eyes uh, because you have two eyes, of course, and, and so you might just not notice it. So one of the best ways is just to have keep up with uh, annual visits to your uh, optometrist or ophthalmologist mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. To, uh, to have this type of screening because a lot of um, different problems can be picked up just with the screening. Yeah, and there are a lot of patients that are asymptomatic. They don't have any, they're not noticing any problems, and they do have some disease. And so that would be, it would be important to know that so that you could start taking eye vitamins, for example. Um, and then there are other people that, that do notice that they have a problem in one of their eyes and, and, uh, and using that very simple piece of paper with the straight lines, the Amesler grid that we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, if you monitor yourself, you can, you can tell that you're having some visual distortion in, in one of your eyes in particular. And, uh, Doctor, this is a question, too. You have a patient with macular degeneration coming in, and this is a rare one, but also they have certain medical conditions, for example, rheumatoid arthritis or sarcoid, and they have to be put on medications that possibly could exacerbate or make it worse, the macula. Uh, do you run into this? And you have to do the consultations with their physicians as far as uh, prescribing and so forth? Yeah. Um, there are some uh, medications that uh, fall into that category. One such medication is, uh, is Plaquenil, which is uh, used for... Uh, patients with rheumatoid arthritis and, and different uh, um, uh, connective uh, tissue uh, diseases. And um, it's a very effective medicine uh, that is very helpful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if you, have, uh, if you do have a lot of uh, macular degeneration, there's really no proof of, of this worsening your condition but uh, it's a, a little bit more of a concern. So typically, a lot of these, uh, the rheumatologists and medical doctors, when they're starting a medication that can affect your eyes, uh, they do like to uh, get a screening done by an eye doctor to just see what the baseline is. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. that medication in particular is a, is a wonderful medicine, so it's a very effective, and uh, it only affects a uh, um, um, small percentage of people over okay. a great deal of time. Doctor, we're going to be coming back uh, shortly, but I want to go over with you when you do come back the types of treatment that's available today versus what was available in the past, and I think that will be extremely relevant. You're on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be back after the break. Thank you. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. How many times have you heard this? I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. You are what you eat. I've tried every diet. Diets don't work. It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you are in Southern California, visit Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center. Dr. Bob started his practice more than 25 years ago, providing high-quality vision care to his patients. Some of our patients and their families have been coming to us since the very beginning. Visit our website at RanchoEyeDoctor.com. There you can click on the Testimonials tab, Video tab, and Blog tab. If Dr. Bob feels that the care a patient needs is beyond his scope of practice or knowledge, he can refer these patients to specialists to make sure the patient is receiving the best care possible. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center is part of the local chambers of commerce in Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, and Ontario, California. Our wonderful staff is very knowledgeable and friendly. We welcome most vision care plans and can help you find your vision plan if you're unsure about your coverage. We'd love to have you come in. Visit RanchoEyeDoctor.com or if you're in Southern California, call us at 909-980-3535. Rancho Cucamonga Optometric Center, 909-980-3535 or RanchoEyeDoctor.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob Rothbard. To reach our show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or you can send an email to ranchooptometric at verizon.net. Now, back to this week's edition of Vision Talk Radio. Hey, back with Dr. Bob. Before we continue with Dr. Collada, uh, I just want to describe next week's show briefly. We'll have Dr. Ida Chung, an optometrist at the Optometry School at Western University Health Sciences in Pomona, California. She will be discussing vision development, autism, ADHD, how all of this has uh, an outcome from sometimes vision problems. Okay, we're going to be back now with uh, uh, Dr. Collada. And uh, doctor, what treatments are there for macular degeneration and how does this compare to what happened in the past? I know there's been tremendous developments. Can you describe them? Thanks, Dr. Bob. Uh, in the past, um, similar to diabetes, uh, the one of the the main treatments that we had was laser, um, and uh, lasers are used on different parts of the eye. But using the laser on the retina was was one treatment that's available. Um, 
And as I mentioned, uh, the laser can be destructive to uh, the retina, so hopefully you are not uh, destructive to a part of destructive to the point where you're affecting the vision, you know, because most of your retina is, um, most of your retina can, could be damaged and, and not really affect your vision. It's just the very center, which is the, mm-hmm. the most important. So laser, which, uh, so I describe this as, as a hot laser. Um, and then there's a cold laser, you know, so that's, that's another treatment that's available. Uh, photodynamic therapy, Mm-hmm. This is a treatment that was um, done more frequently in the past as well before we had all of the uh, anti-VEGF agents, which are now available. They're the same medications that are being used uh, for the diabetic patients. And um, these injections, once again, can be injected uh, into the vitreous cavity of the eye painlessly and uh, and similar to the way that they shrink up the abnormal blood vessels in diabetes, they do a similar type of, uh, they have a similar type of effect in the patients with macular generation so that the, the bleeding that's taking place, those blood vessels can shrink up and, uh, and hopefully the, the fluid and the blood that occurs in wet macular degeneration um, can uh, can resolve on its own without uh, much vision loss. And is there a, is this a one-time treatment, or how often do you see these individuals and administer the treatment? So uh, similar to diabetes, these are two uh, very chronic conditions um, that are comprise a, a good amount of uh, the patients in a in a retinal specialist office. Uh, because um, these, uh, the treatment of this condition, uh, the closer that it's monitored and, um, and the more often that they get treatment when they need it, the better vision that they're going to have. Um, whereas in the past, these patients just always spiraled downward so that their vision deteriorated. Um, now we have these treatments with the injections that last four to eight weeks and so uh, we'll inject them, and then every time we bring them back into the office, we, uh, we take some pictures to see how the, the fluid is progressing, and if it's gone, then we can stop treating, and if it, uh, if it comes back, we can restart the, uh, the treatment. Wow. And, Dr., uh, are there any treatments currently in the research stage right now, not being done, but being researched in some trials? There are. So the, uh, the injections uh, that are being done, like I said, are all for the patients with macular, uh, wet macular degeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, right now, what's commercially available to uh, patients, uh, we don't have treatments for the dry type of macular degeneration. And uh, you would think that this is, uh, uh, doesn't result in as much vision loss, but in some cases it can be very severe. You can mm-hmm. be blind even if you have just the dry macular degeneration. So um, besides the, the eye vitamins, which are helpful, uh, finding treatments for the uh, 
um, especially the severe types of dry macular degeneration. I think that's very much in the future, and there are a lot of uh, studies that are looking at different types of medicine and even surgery, uh, stem cell surgery. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Yes. Uh, so we are involved in, in studies uh, for this as well uh, um, with uh, Johnson & Johnson. Um, we're looking at some uh, stem cell transplantation, and we've had some nice results. Um, we're trying to um, refine the surgical techniques so that uh, the results are more consistent because some patients have had some very nice uh, vision improvements and then others uh, not as much. Uh, so, but that's, there are a lot of studies available for that, and I think that that's, uh, that's very much in the future and very exciting. And uh, basically to wrap this up, because some of these individuals are winding up with such really poor vision in some cases, but not nearly as many as there were. Is there any management to the macular degeneration besides being seen by a retina specialist? For example, low vision management. And could you describe that a yeah. little bit? Uh, low vision uh, management is, uh, is very important for patients who um, can't be helped further, and especially those patients who have um, a lot of vision loss so that they're just trying to maximize their vision the best that they can. And, of course, the, all of these low vision uh, experts are optometrists such as yourself. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, when you don't have very much vision, getting the most out of it possible becomes all the more important for these patients. So that's something that I try and... Uh, uh, if I don't feel like I can do uh, anything further to improve the vision, then I will get them to a low vision uh, specialist or optometrist such as yourself so that uh, they can have uh, some further improvements, not necessarily in their uh, quantitative vision, you know, their, um, but uh, their quality of life and quality of vision and uh, one of the things I always go for, like the best case that you possibly have seen and treated, what would you say, someone whom you've treated, Dr. Colano, we only have about a minute or two left, uh, that where the vision was pretty bad, and where were you able to bring them up to, or bring her up to, as far as the uh, type of improvement in the vision? We've got about a minute. Sure. Well, that's the, that's the exciting and rewarding type uh, part about being an eye doctor these days is with all of these wonderful medicines, you can really improve a uh, patient's vision uh, a great deal. You know? So they can go from being blind in one eye and get these uh, anti-VEGF injections and, and uh, have their vision go up to uh, you know, near, near perfect. Uh, so it's, That's unbelievable. That's yeah. great because when I was in optometry school, this stuff, when I graduated in 81, of course, uh, it was just amazing to see what's happening with this. And uh, Dr. Collado, <clears throat> we're going to end the show up here. We're up against time, but I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show with us. It's great information, and uh, I love talking to you about this. I know we've shared a couple of cases together. And you're always great to talk to. So I really want to thank you for being here. And we'll conclude the show there. 
Okay, you've been on Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob on the Health and Wellness Channel, and we look forward to seeing you next week, next Thursday, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Vision Talk Radio with Dr. Bob. We'll be back next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.